Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Hey, good morning. I'm so glad that you're here today. Um, my name is Mike McGowan. I'm the senior pastor here at the park. And um, I've been off for a few weeks uh, for some much needed rest, but it's really, really good to be back with you today. And today we're wrapping up this message series, God Never Said That. And we're talking about a topic that honestly, a lot of people do believe it is true. And a lot of people actually want it to be true. And that is, is that all religions worship the same God just by a different name. In fact, there was a time in my life when I thought that this very well might be true. Um, when I was in elementary school, uh, I did an activity with my dad called Adventure Guides. It's through the YMCA, um, and it's really cool. It's a father-son thing, so I did it with my dad and with my brother. And Adventure Guides is all couched in an American Indian kind of thing theme. And so you have tribes and you have chiefs and you, um, uh, you have Indian names and then we would do campouts and we would do fishing stuff and we would do Pinewood Derby. I mean, it was really a lot of fun, lots of great memories. It was really, really, really great. Um, my dad, one year that we were doing it, his role in our tribe was to be the guy that taught the lesson. So every week at our tribal meeting, there was this uh, moral lesson that would be taught. And my, again, it was all couched in this Native American theme. And so as my dad taught the lesson, he always talked about what the great spirit would say to these Native American Indians and then kind of apply it to us as, you know, little boys. And, um, but what I didn't understand was, was that the whole thing is really a Christian-based organization. I mean, the YMCA is a Christian organization, therefore this stuff at Adventure Guys is kind of based on a lot of things you'll find in the Bible, because all the lessons that my dad taught, I thought, man, these sound remarkably uh, close to what is in the Bible that I'm learning at church as a little kid. And, uh, but I just didn't put it together that it was Christian-based anyway. So in my mind, as my, after my dad would teach these lessons, in my little mind, I began thinking, you know what? I wonder if the Native American Indians were really just worshiping God, but they didn't know what to call him because nobody ever told them. And so they just called him the Great Spirit. And if that's true, then surely God wouldn't keep them out of heaven just for calling them the wrong name. So I'll bet they're going to go to heaven. And then my thought pattern continued, and I, I began to think, well, I wonder if that's true for every religion in the world. I wonder if every religion in the world really is just worshiping the same God. They just call him by a different name. And if that's true, then surely God wouldn't keep him out of heaven just for getting the name wrong, right? And that's made a lot of sense to me. And that sounded like it should be true. And honestly, it's, it sounds like it should be true, doesn't it? Well, yeah, it does. And there's a lot of people who believe that and a lot of people who want to believe that. Um, and honestly, here's the thing. I don't really think the Lord is, gets all that hung up on what name you use. I mean, whether you call him Lord or, you know, God or, you know, Great Spirit. I don't really think God gets all hung up on that, okay? And from a 30,000-foot view, from like a long-distance view, it might at first 
you know, glance seem that all religions of the world really do worship the same God. They just call him by a different name. But here's the thing. God never said that. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that that is true. And when we take a close-up look at what each of these religions actually teach, it's then that we realize that it can't be true. For instance, Buddhists. Buddhists don't even believe in a God, okay? They teach that if you're good, good things happen to you, and if you're bad, bad things happen to you, and people are also on this endless journey of um, countless reincarnations that people are born, and then they're reborn, and then they're reborn and reborn, all in hopes of finally one day achieving a state of nirvana or total enlightenment. Okay, well, that's, that's, that's way different than Christianity, right? And then... There's Hindus. Hindus teach that there's actually many gods, but there is no personal God. And now, both Hindus and Buddhists teach that there is karma and that, you know, you attain and compile good karma by doing good things and bad karma by doing bad things. And the kind of karma you have determines what you're reincarnated as. So, you know what? If you have a lot of good karma, you know, you'll get reincarnated as a Labrador retriever, all right? If you got bad karma, you'll be reincarnated as a cat, okay? That's just, that's just how it works, all right? That's just how the universe is made. That's what they would say to you, all right? But, uh, okay, back down. It's all right. But again, look, that's very, very different from Christianity, right? And then there's Islam, okay? Followers of Islam are called Muslims, and they worship Allah, who is a personal God. But with Allah, there is no mercy, and there is no grace, and there is no forgiveness. Worship of Allah is all about your devotion by the works that you do in his name. And we all know that there have been horrible things done in his name in recent decades. Mormons, at first impression, honestly, they look and sound a lot like Christians, okay? But here's the thing. Mormons, they, have, they believe in three different heavens. Three different heavens. And get this. Everybody goes to the first heaven. Everybody, no matter what you've done in your life, everybody goes to the first heaven. But if you're a really good Mormon, then you can make it all the way to the third heaven. And if you get to the third heaven, then you yourself become a god. And you will inherit your own planet where you get to cultivate spirit children with your celestial wives. What? Like, that's not on the commercials, okay? I mean, that's very different from Christianity, right? Very different, okay? And then there's this whole new age thought, you know, where there is no such thing as a God, and that, you know, we're just trying to achieve a higher level of consciousness and, you know, just become one with the universe. I mean, I don't even know what that means, truthfully. Uh, but, I mean, that's just kind of what they believe. But look, my, my point is, here's my point. My point is, is that it might seem from a distance that, you know, all the religions of the world really worship the same God, they just call him by a different name. But when you look at what each of these religions actually teach, then you realize it just can't be true. It's not true, because it can't be true. And so, believing this life, if we were to believe this lie, here's the danger. The danger of believing the lie is this. Now, this is what I want you to write down. This is your first film of the day. Is that I inadvertently lead others to worship idols. 
If I were to believe this lie, I inadvertently lead others to believe in idols. Because if I were to say, oh, yeah, you know what? It doesn't matter what religion you are. I and mean, that's totally fine. You just do whatever you want because we're all worshiping the same God. Then the truth is, I inadvertently lead people to worship something that is not God. And whether that idol is an actual statue, you know, like a Buddha, or whether it's just worshiping um, an image of God that's really not God, like worshiping one of these other world religions, I am leading someone to worship an idol because an idol is anything that is not God. And the truth is, truth is lots of things can become idols. Anything that um, commands our devotion and that we love more than God is really an idol. So money can become an idol. Achievement can become an idol. Performance, academics, popularity, all these sorts of things can become idols if we're not careful. Okay? So, you know, before I kind of, you know, run on that tangent and just, you know, try to offend everybody in the room, let me come back to what we're actually talking about today. Um, so what does God actually say when it comes to um, the, the uh, world religions worshiping about just just by different names. What does God actually say? Here's the first thing he actually says, and that's this, is that Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life. He is the only way to eternal life. There is no other way. I mean, the most important thing when it comes to this, this issue is that our Heavenly Father says that Jesus Christ is the only way. Buddha is not the way. Okay? Muhammad is not the way. Allah is not the way. Achieving a higher level of consciousness is not the way. Karma is not the way. Just being a good person is not the way. The only way to get to heaven is through the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I want you to look at what the Bible says. Now, before we get to the scripture, I want to give you the context. The context is that um, uh, Jesus is talking and he's teaching his disciples. And then one of the disciples, a guy named Thomas, anybody remember what Thomas is famous for? Yeah, doubting. He's sometimes called Doubting Thomas because he's the guy that said, I will not believe that Jesus has risen from the dead unless I can put my hand in the wounds of Jesus so that I know for sure it's really him. So it's this guy. So of all the disciples, he's the most skeptical. He's the one that needs the most proof. He's the one that's not afraid to ask the hard questions. And so anyway, Jesus has been teaching the disciples. He's talking to them, and he's starting to give them hints that he is going to die on a cross. But he's kind of cryptic about it. And so Jesus says, hey, I am about to go away, but don't worry, don't freak out, guys. You know the way, and you know how to get there. And Thomas is like, excuse me, Jesus? I have no idea what you're talking about, okay? How do we know the way? We don't even know where you're going, so how do we know the way to get there? And then Jesus, in response, in John chapter 14, verse 6, he drops this bomb on Thomas and all the disciples and us as well. And Jesus answers, and he says this. Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the way. Look, so Jesus says, look, the way is not karma. It's not reincarnation. It's not higher consciousness, okay? It's not any other path where you've got to go and do something. The way is not a religion, and the way is not a list of right and wrong and do's and don'ts. Jesus says, I am the way. The way is a person, and that person is Jesus. Jesus says, 
I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, okay, no one, no, not Buddha, not Mohammed, no one comes to the Father except through me. Boom. Right? I mean, I mean this, this is the key lesson that Jesus is teaching, and it's what sets Jesus and Christianity apart from every other religion in the world, is that Jesus is the way to heaven. And honestly, this is what gets people all fired up. This is what gets people yelling and, you know, and screaming about how intolerant and how judgmental Christianity is. You know, people get all hot and bothered that Jesus says basically that you can't work your way to heaven and that you're not good enough to get to heaven on your own. And I mean, that just gets people all crazy. I mean, that just really riles them up and gets them all mad about saying, you know, how dare you say that I'm not good enough? How dare you insinuate that I can't do anything to get to heaven on my own, that I'm not worthy of going to heaven? How dare you say something like that? And then, you know, people, then they start rioting in the streets and like burning couches and then, you know, cats and dogs living together. It's mass hysteria, right? It's just crazy. But that's what gets people all fired up. Now, look, never mind that every single world religion somehow says that their way is the only way. That at some point, they are exclusive in their own regard. But what gets people fired up is when people begin to understand this, and that is this, is that in all relig other religions in the world, you, you are part of the equation that gets you to heaven. All religions teach that somehow it's your works, it's your good deeds, like if you'll keep this list, if you'll uh, uh, make these achievements, if you'll memorize this stuff, if you'll do, or you'll give, or you'll serve, or you'll do whatever, you do this stuff, then you will earn your way to heaven, or you'll earn God's favor, or somehow it's what God does plus what you do, you add something to the mix that gets you to heaven, okay? But, here's the deal, but Jesus says, that you don't deserve to go to heaven and can't add anything that gets you there. You don't deserve it. And you can't add anything to the mix that gets you there. That basically when you add up all the things that you've done that are wrong, all the things that you've said that are wrong, all the things that you've even thought that are wrong, you add all of that up, you don't deserve to go to heaven. And neither do I. Now it doesn't matter that there are other people who are worse than us. You just look at yourself. On your own, you don't deserve to go to heaven. And that is what people find so intolerable about Christianity, is that you're not good enough to get to heaven on your own. And when they do, I'm telling you, when they get to that point, that is when they close their minds, they close their ears, and they close their hearts toward God and toward Jesus. And when they do, they miss out on literally the meaning of the most famous and most important verse in the entire Bible, okay? Look at it. It's John three sixteen, and its counterpart, verse 17. Look what it says. It says, for God so loved the world. Let me pause right there. Look. You might not deserve to go to heaven on your own. Well, look, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that you don't matter to him. 
Because he does love you, and you do matter to him. And in the supreme expression of his love, look what, it's, look what he does. It says that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, okay? That means that our Heavenly Father did not send Jesus in the world, you know, to point fingers and to condemn you and to judge you for what you have done. Now, some people take it like that, but that's not what it is. But God never says that. Instead, God says that this is the reason why he sent Jesus. It is to save the world through him. I'm telling you, like, that is what people need to hear. And yes, it's true that you cannot get to heaven on your own, and it's true that you can't add anything to the mix. But look, what is also true is this, is that Jesus came to die for you because you can't get to heaven on your own. That's why God sent Jesus, because you can't add anything to the mix. There's not one thing that you can do to even climb one rung of the ladder to get that much closer to heaven. Jesus says you and I are hopeless without him, and so that's why God sent his son to the world to die for you and to die for me. Okay, so let's just pause right there for just a second. Look, if you have never, if you've never asked Jesus to forgive you and committed your life to follow him, like, you need to do that. Because you need a savior, and so do I. And so I asked Jesus to come to my life to forgive me when I was 11. If you've never done that before, like, that's where you need to start. You need to do that because he is the only way to get to heaven. There is no other way. There's, there's no such thing as karma or reincarnation or calling on any other name that's going to get you there, okay? The only way to get to heaven is to call on the name of Jesus. That's it. So if you've never done that, there's a prayer. It's at the bottom of your message notes. I want you to take a second. I want you to pray that prayer right now if you've never done that before. Pray it right now. Now, if you've already prayed that prayer before, we're going to go on to point number two, okay? And point number two is this, is that I can have a personal relationship with God. And let's leave this up here for a couple minutes so the people that are praying their prayer to become a Christ follower, well, that, we, that we don't lose them, okay? Is that I can have a personal relationship with Jesus. Now look, there are several things that set Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. You know, for instance, Christianity is the only religion where God sacrifices for his people and his people don't have to sacrifice for God. It's the only religion where the leader of that religion dies for the sake of his followers and then rises again and is still alive today. But the thing that I want to focus on this morning that sets Christianity apart is the fact that you and I can have a personal, a personal relationship with God. Look what the Bible says in Romans Chapter 8, beginning verse 15, it says, the spirit we received. Okay, see, because look, the moment that someone becomes a Christ follower, becomes a Christian, the Holy Spirit, God's spirit, um, comes down and lives in their hearts to guide them through this life. Okay, that, and that's what he's talking about here. So the spirit does not make us slaves again to fear. It makes us children of God. With that spirit, we cry out, Father. And the spirit himself joins with our spirits to say, we are God's children. Okay? Look, 
There is no other religion in the world, other religion in the world that pictures God as a personal God. Now, and the reason is because all other religions are at some level performance-based. That means that you have to do something to earn God's favor or to earn his love or to put yourself in good standing with God. You have to do something to get to heaven or, you know, achieve enlightenment or, you know, whatever it is that they're focusing on, okay? But you have to do your part in order to become religious. But get this. God's goal is not for you to become religious. That was never his goal. God wants to have a relationship with you. Because once you become a Christ follower, you become his son or his daughter. You become his child. And he wants to have a relationship with you that is deeply, deeply personal, okay? So, go with me on this, okay? This as an illustration. Let's just say, for, just for the sake of this illustration, that you end up having a son or a daughter, and for just for the sake of this illustration, that somehow you're separated from your child at birth. And you know where your child is, but your child does not know where you are. And so through that child's life, like you send letters to that child telling your, telling your son or your daughter, oh, how much you love him. And you send other people into your child's life to try to tell them that you want to have a relationship with them, that you really care about them, that they really matter. And um, that you even orchestrate events and circumstances to try to help your child to understand that they can reach that back out to you, and you know, if only they would. But the problem is, is that your child also has other people circulating in and out of his or her life that are telling your child that, you know what, if you go back and to, 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 to your dad or your parent, that all they want to do is, like, put a list of rules on you that they're mean, that they're judgmental. They don't really want to have anything to do with you. They don't really care about you as a person. They just want to have blind followers, and that's all you really are. And then, let's just say, just for the sake of this illustration, just for the sake of argument, that one day, that one day, your child reaches back out to you, whether it's out of desperation or because one of the people that you send into his or her life finally got through and, and they got it, or, you know, maybe just, you know, they just wanted to give you a chance. I mean, but for whatever reason, your child reaches out to you and says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please forgive me for listening to these other people and making value judgments about you. Please forgive me for all the stuff that I've done that is wrong. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be a part of your family. Look, what would you do in that moment? Like, what would you say? What would be going on in your heart? I mean, wouldn't you be doing somersaults in your heart? I mean, wouldn't you be so excited? I mean, wouldn't you want to say to your son or your daughter, I'm so glad there could not be better news than this. Thank you so much for finally coming to me. And look, all that stuff that's in the past, like, don't worry about it. It's in the past. It's forgiven. Let's not even focus on that. I am just so glad that you finally came. After decades, I've been waiting for you, and I love you. Thank you for finally coming, believing, and coming to me. Now, here's what you wouldn't say. You wouldn't say, well, here's a list of rules you need to follow. 
You wouldn't say, well, you know what? You screwed up pretty bad. I think you're gonna have to go be reincarnated a few times until you can get it right. <laughs> you're not gonna say, well, you know what? You go clean up your act and then you come back. You wouldn't say any of that stuff. All you would say was that I am so glad because you are my son. You are my daughter, and I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. I will never walk away from you. You know, yes, there might be some tough times in life, but you know what? I will walk with you through it. We will get through it together because I love you. That's what you'd say. And you know what? That is exactly what your Heavenly Father says about you. That is exactly how God thinks of you. That is exactly how he approaches you. It doesn't matter what you've been told in the past. I'm telling you, that is what the central message of Christianity is, is that God wants to have a personal relationship with you, and it only comes through his son, Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, look, when you became a Christ follower, and for those of you that just prayed that prayer this morning for the first time, when you became a Christ follower, Here's what the Bible says God's reaction is to you. Look what the Bible says in Luke 15, 10. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So look, when you became a Christian, when you became a Christian, whenever that was for you, or maybe it was this one of you, I'm telling you, when you became a Christ follower, God rejoices. The, heaven, the angels in heaven are throwing a party. They're so excited about you. That is God's approach to you. That is how he feels about you, and that's how he's felt about you since day one. That is something that God says is true because he said it right here. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you that in our own desperation of trying to find you and know you, Lord, that you said, you know what? You saw our pointless deeds of trying to earn our way to heaven, and so you took mercy on us, and you sent your son Jesus to bridge the gap for us. I want to say thank you for that, Father. It has changed everything about who I am. And I know that it's changed the lives of so many people and families, changed trajectories of entire, entire families. And I just want to say thank you for that. And so help us to walk in that personal relationship with you. Because God, if we, if we aren't deepening our relationship with you, we're missing out on part of the reason why we were created in the first place. And so help us, God, to follow you in that personal relationship. And bring us back next week so we can understand more about how to deepen that relationship. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.